This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Plenty to get to today. We'll have Mark Krang on in just a little bit for his weekly NFL Picks segment, Best and Worst of the Vikings and Bears over the long haul. I've got some thoughts on that. Mark picks all the games as well, so looking forward to that. A little uh, Timberwolves discussion, too. Now they face the Lakers on Friday night. At least they are scheduled to at the moment. A lot of COVID problems for the Lakers. A lot of COVID problems in sports in general right now. So we'll see how that all shakes out. But first, what did I miss? Want to focus on a pair of overtime games from Thursday night that I was, you know, kind of channel flipping, things like that. And kind of on the opposite end of the entertainment spectrum. Wild loses to Buffalo 3-2 to in a shootout. And the Chiefs beat the Chargers 34-28 in overtime in the NFL. Well, let's start with the Wild. Every team's going to have, you know, a lull here and there. The Wild really hasn't had a extended lull under Dean Evason, an amazing stat that I read in Sarah McClellan's game story. This is the first time Dean Evason's been coaching this team for 97 games, spanning parts of three seasons. Of course, he took over a couple seasons ago at the end of the year when Bruce Boudreau was let go, coached all of last season, that 56-game shortened year, and then 29 more games this season. This is the first time the Wild has lost three regular season games in a row under Dean Evason. You know, they lost the two on the road. They were supposed to play Tuesday against Carolina. That game postponed because of Carolina's COVID issues. Then they come back and play Buffalo, not a good team. And maybe they kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe they kind of got complacent in this game. Back at Excel Energy Center, maybe they thought this was going to be a walkover win. And, you know, Frankly, like like Dean Evison said, we'll get to some of his comments in a minute. They were kind of lucky just to get a point. They actually they were actually ahead two one in this game. Had no business being ahead two one because Buffalo was severely out shooting and outplaying them into the third period. And Cam Talbot had to make a number of big saves in net for the Wild just to keep this one within reach. And actually, Wild led one nothing after one, and I believe it was two one after two. Buffalo gets the equalizer in the third that it probably deserved and got a shootout win at the end. So, you know, not really a cause for alarm, I guess, but they did schedule a Friday practice. I don't know if they probably would have done that had the performance Thursday been a little bit better. Now, here is Dean Evason, head coach of the Wild, after the game on what he did not like from what he saw. Yeah, we weren't good. We weren't good right from the start. We weren't good in the middle. We weren't good at the end. Um, You know, I guess... Yeah, I mean, we just all of us we weren't we weren't very good. Um, we we talked about maybe maybe we need you know we we've talked before about maybe we need some practice. Um, we need some practice. Our pace was just terrible, terrible. Um, you know, they they had pace. They they played hard. You know, credit to them for sure. Um, but uh, but we didn't have anything tonight. We respect the hockey club. We just didn't have anything. Like we just our just our game mentally, physically, um, we had no legs, um, but we didn't push either. Like, and there's some guys on the bench, you know, trying and talking and and trying to get us to go to go north and to push the pace and to do, you know, and it just. But uh, but no, I don't. Uh, I think I think they took the game away from us, you know, in large chunks uh, here tonight. So. Um, you know, that, that certainly didn't look like our hockey club, right? You know, and again, not a reason for panic, I don't think. Um, still a team that's 19-8-2 and two overall. Just need to shore some things up. Um, I think John Merrill said after the game, you know, once you 
win a few in a row, you get a little complacent. Maybe you, some of the things that are problems in those wins get, kind of get glossed over, and they need to kind of go back to work and get things get things going again. And, you know, they probably have to do it without Jared Spurgeon for a little while. Sounded like he re-aggravated his injury in that game. So there's going to be some adversity here for the Wild. I guess better now than much later in the year. Maybe they can figure this out right now and kind of learn some lessons as they go forward. Flip side was Chargers and Kansas City. I thought both teams played really well. San Diego, Chargers very aggressive. I almost said San Diego. I'm, I'm going to re- eternally say San Diego Chargers. That's just how I grew up. Um, Chargers were aggressive, missed a bunch of fourth downs. Here's the thing. They were taking a bunch of heat after the game for going forward a few times on fourth down and not making it, even though statistical models showed that every time it was the correct decision. If you're going to be aggressive, sure, you subject yourself to some second guessing, but also the second guessers should back off a little bit because, you know, if it's the right decision, it's not an outcome-based thing. You should you should be trusting the process and not and not the result in this case. I thought the Chargers were smart to go for it deep in Kansas City territory even though it didn't quite work out for them the the game was still right there for them you're not going to beat a team like Kansas City with field goals you're just not so I like the aggressive approach even though it didn't work out Kansas City just too much Patrick Mahomes finding Travis Kelsey off in the in you know over the middle and a beautiful catch and run by Kelsey to finish that game off for Kansas City really uh, opening up a two-game lead now in the AFC West so an entertaining game, um, and don't rip a team just because they're aggressive when the aggressive moves don't pay off. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. NFL Picks time with Mark Craig. We got a lot of good ones this week, including some Saturday games. Um Kind of like this point in the year where the college football season is into the bowl season, so the NFL takes over some Saturdays as well. Got to got to make that money. Got to got to crank out more uh, more TV slots for uh, for the NFL, and then obviously Monday night Vikings at Bears, important game for them. Understatement uh, in terms of their playoff hopes if they don't win that one, playoffs pretty much out of reach uh, for all practical purposes. Mark, how you doing? Going well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Saturday games. Uh, watching what's left of the Cleveland Browns try to make a playoff push here. Yeah, we'll get to that game in a minute. We always want to start with the Vikings, <laughs> even though that's the last game of the week this week instead of the first game, as it was when they uh, played the Steelers and almost gave back all of a uh, 29 to nothing lead, but didn't. Stayed alive in you know what is a pretty weak bottom part of the NFC pretty top heavy I think there's five teams that are at least nine and four right now pretty well secure in the playoffs especially after the Rams beat the Cardinals um, last week just a few days ago but how do you see this matchup with the Vikings and Bears I mean COVID is wreaking havoc on a lot of different NFL teams it looks like both of these teams have not escaped it in any way shape or form and the Bears were already struggling before that but just you know for for whatever is left on the field Monday night, now how do you see this game shaking out? I think you know the Vikings are going to be able to score points. I mean, if you look at the road games; you know they're actually scoring more more points on the road than they are at home. Um, yeah, the Bears yeah, aren't really um, 
I don't see the dominant defense. I mean, Hicks up front is going to be a problem, but I see the Vikings being able to score, outscore them, and and uh, the defense being able to hold them off. And um, but <laughs> as we were joking in the press box when it was twenty six and nothing, we looked, kind of looked at each other and said uh, from last week and said this couldn't come down to the last play, could it? They're like laughing. We're all writing. So, you know, I would expect a close game. Naturally. I would expect, uh, you know, Justin Fields to have the ball and be scrambling all over the place at the end of the game. But uh, I like them. I like the Vikings ability, a to score points and b confuse this, this uh, quarterback this young quarterback enough in their first meeting with him to, uh, to win the game. Now, at the start of the year, the narrative was <clears throat> that maybe the Vikings weren't going to get the Bears at the best time because Fields would have had, you know, most of a rookie season to kind of settle in. And it's been a little bit up and down. There's been, you know, he's played, Andy Dalton's played some. What, what's he doing well when, when you watch the Bears? Well, I mean, like, unlike, you know, we saw Thursday night, you know, the, and especially the first 32 minutes or whatever, the Vikings could go after Ben Roethlisberger knowing – that Ben was going to be in that one spot. He wasn't going to move, although he didn't. He did run for a first down. He kind of lumbered and fell forward for a first down one time. But this is a totally different animal in that yeah, you can confuse him, you can rush him, but he can turn a bad play into a good play with his legs, whereas uh, you know, Roethlisberger couldn't do that until they did a Mac. You know, well, they, they turned that game around because they went to max protect and then the receivers downfield beat the Vikings uh, secondary. So with this guy, you got to rush him, but you got to probably have a spy to make sure he doesn't, doesn't hurt you that way. I don't think that he can do it enough over four quarters to, to hurt you that way. He's going to have to pass the ball. Um, you know, that being said, you know, there's certainly, if they don't get a pass rush, you know, the Breelands and, and different dancers could be a problem uh, in, in coverage, but you know, he's, he's a guy that uh, when things break down, he can make a good play out of a bad play. This is a, opponent and specifically a location that has been the site of a lot of memorable, weird, people might call it, games. When the Vikings go to Soldier Field, strange things tend to happen. Now, they did win there a season ago, but no fans in the stands for that one, obviously. They won there in 2017. They did win there in 2015. So when they win at Soldier Field, a lot of times they do. It is in the midst of a playoff season, but is this just a matter of how our memory works, or is this truly a place where just for whatever reason, weird things happen and, and the Vikings kind of can't seem to get out of their own way sometimes? Yeah. I mean, um, Andrew and Ben were talking about it uh, earlier. I'm remembering different things and I go back farther than they do. And one of the, you know, when uh, peanut Tillman went up in the end zone, a 50, 50 ball in the end zone, this is when Randy Moss has had his, well, his whole career, basically what he was at hall of fame level. But it was the first time we'd ever seen, and maybe the last time we'd ever seen, someone moss Randy Moss. And he went up and he pulled that ball out of his hands. We're like, wow, we didn't, didn't see that coming. I'm, I believe they, they lost that game, whichever year it was. Um, but, yeah, Tice, you know about it, tough guy town. you got to learn how to win in a tough guy town and all this stuff. Um, but, yeah, you, a lot of weird things happen. It's, you see a lot of that when division opponents, you know, like doesn't get much weirder than the Vikings losing to the Lions, you know. <laughs> when they don't have a win, but you see different things like that when division opponents are so familiar with each other. Uh, and the bears typically have a, have a defense that can, can frustrate you. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of weird things, you know, Zimmer 
poking his eye and that's when his eye problems began and Norv gets fired or Norv quits the next morning. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of weird things. I, you know, there's a lot going on on the other sideline. I mean, these are probably, well, they're, they're officially the two hottest seats probably in the NFL now that Urban Meyer's finally been uh, relieved. So uh, both teams have some issues they got to work through. The Vikings had the advantage, I think, in that, you know, they're still playing for the playoffs. And, you know, they beat the Packers. They almost beat, came down to the last play, a 37-yard field goal to beat the Cardinals that they didn't make. So there's a feeling, I'm sure, in, in that building that if they can sneak in, they can, they can upset one of these two teams. What is your kind of confidence level? We'll move on to some other games here in a minute. But, you know, as you think about the Vikings, not just in this game, but playing the Bears twice, and then to get the Rams at U.S. Bank Stadium and at Green Bay, you know, winning three out of those four gives them a pretty good chance to make the playoffs. What is your, okay, based on the 13 games you've seen so far this season, what is your confidence level if they can put together three wins in four games when they need to? Yeah, I think they can do it. Um, it would be it would be a sort of like, um, I know that we had this feeling in 2012, but granted they had a 2,000-yard rusher, but they also had Christian Ponder, a quarterback. And I remember someone, you know, all these players say the same things, whether – but this this time there was going. They were six and six, I believe. They needed to. They absolutely had to win their last four games, I believe, and they did it. And you know, you, you look at this year. Uh, this is like the only like the third time since 1978 where there, there's no playoff teams have clinched yet so far. So you're seeing a lot of strange um, this late into the season. But you see a lot, a lot of strange, you know, evenly matched or or when there's a you see a lot of teams with losing records beat teams that are leading their division. So yeah, they can do it. Um, but they could also go and four. they could, you know, the Packers are probably going to beat them. So it, uh, the winning three might uh, be more likely if they can do it. Um, but you know, like the Rams not sold on the Rams, you know, especially if they have to play at the U S bank stadium with uh, the crowd going. Um, but yeah, those two bear games, they should win. Uh, they should actually, you know, if you look at all these six and seven teams that are playing, they should come out of this weekend, the Monday night, being seventh in the NFC. Speaking of the rest of the slate, some good, the Saturday games are actually pretty interesting. Raiders at Browns, Patriots at Colts, you know, Raiders, Browns, Browns having all sorts of COVID issues and, you know, Patriots, Colts, just kind of interesting with Colts kind of being a, up and down team this season, but you know, a team that can kind of play with anybody as well. How do you see both of those games uh, shaking out? Yeah. I mean, uh, last year, last time the, the Browns were decimated by, uh, by COVID, they went to Pittsburgh without their head coach and without a bunch of players. And they, they won their first playoff game since 1994. Um, I just have all those feelings that, you know, when it, it gets to the extreme, you know, the people that step in behind them, especially if, if they end up not having Baker Mayfield, you know, Case Keenum might almost want to have him go into a key game right now over Baker Mayfield. So I picked the Browns in that one. You know, the Patriots and the Colts, I, I'm not buying the Patriots as, as an underdog, even though it's it's at the Colts. You know, the Patriots have won, what, six in a row? They're, they're coming off a bye just like the Colts are. You know, I, you know I'll roll with Belichick uh, with an extra week over, over Reich. So. Um, you know, I, I think the Patriots right now are the, the best team in the league and they're the best coach team in the league. And I don't see any reason that they're going to go backwards. Game with interest to 
Vikings fans, Falcons at 49ers. Probably better for the Vikings that I'm not sure who 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 did the Vikings want to to win that game. Falcons are six and seven right now. San Francisco seven and six, but holding a tiebreaker over the Vikings should it get that get that far. You like the you like the Niners in this game, and they are pretty big favorites. Um, but I would imagine that having them come back to the pack and trying to have two wild card spots open and not just one would be potentially better. But then again, um, you know, it, it might come down to just getting that ninth win, no matter what. Yeah. The, the tiebreaker there with the, the you know, few games left uh, makes me think that uh, you're, you want to try and go for that seven. I'm mean, obviously you want to try and get the six, but uh, the first priority would be to get seven and uh, kind of start, wiping some of these teams aside uh, out of the seven spot, let the 49ers go on their way with the six one for now. And, uh, you know, get the, the Falcons beat, get the, get Washington beat. Uh, and then you then you'd move ahead of you're ahead of Philadelphia. So you would go to the seven spot in that in that scenario. And then, then once you get to the seven, you just got to win, you know, and it's up to you. You control it. Uh, whereas, um, trying to chase the 49ers and you end up tying the 49ers. Uh, the 49ers are another team that's, that's up and down. I mean, all these teams muddling about at the bottom there are teams that, you know, could go either way. In Washington, you know, look what they did four straight weeks. They were, they were back in it. And then last week they, they looked awful, terrible offensively. Um, so, yeah, to me, just get in and see what you can do. Another one of those games with implications. You just referenced Washington. They are at the Eagles believe both of those teams are six and seven going into that game as well. So someone's got to win, but someone's also got to lose in that, in that case, you like the Eagles. I think the Eagles are probably just a better overall team. Washington maybe overachieved to get to that point. So I think that's a, probably a pretty solid guess, especially if Washington just has a feel of the kind of team that's going to fade here down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, uh, Philadelphia's – Washington, you know, the quarterback's beat up. and now um, Philadelphia, their, their quarterback's getting healthier and getting better. Um, you know, two not very good good teams, but and the Eagles have only won, I think, one game at home. Um, so, yeah, I like the Eagles. Uh, but Washington's defense could carry them. It couldn't carry them against, uh, against the, the Cowboys, but um, it could certainly carry them against the Eagles. Last one I want to talk about, Packers, Ravens, Lamar Jackson status, a little bit unclear. He's not playing perfect football this year either way, and Aaron Rodgers is playing at a pretty high level. You like the Packers in that one? I think I have to agree, even though that one is in Baltimore. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, if Jackson plays, it's a matchup of the past two uh, MVPs. You know, um, Lamar Jackson can surprise you. He can do a lot of great things. But if, if you're just looking for a, a steady guy at this time of year, you know, go with it. I'd go with Aaron Rodgers every day um, to just be more steady and be more. Um, you know what you're going to get with him. And with Lamar Jackson, you just can be up and down. And, um, you know, he throws four interceptions against the Browns and he wins a few weeks ago. Um to me, it's uh, that's I, I go with the with the steadier quarterback. They're both great. They're to- totally different players, but um, give me Aaron Rodgers any day on that one. I lied. I have one more because your upset special is Seattle over the Rams. This is one of your seems like one of your classic overcorrection games, right? Because everyone yes. kind of back with the Rams now after they beat the 
beat the Cardinals. And so something's got to come down on them, right? Yeah, because we're all back. We're all in on the Rams again. So it's time for that uh, bandwagon to tip over again. Plus Seattle, you know, Seattle's with, with the injury to Russell Wilson this year. Um, you know, he's back. He's won, he's won two in a row. Both these teams have won two in a row, and they've combined to win, uh, like a, a score like 130 points. So it's probably going to be a high-scoring game. Um, but, yeah, the Rams should win. But this has an NFL feel to it where – uh, the Rams are going to have to uh, – I don't think they're going to get that number one seed, and this would be a damaging damaging blow to them if they couldn't win this game. Well, we'll see how it all shakes out, especially Monday night in Chicago. Mark Craig, enjoy, uh, enjoy the rest of the week. We'll catch you next week, okay? All right, thanks, Michael. Mark referenced that game uh, between the Bears and Vikings where Charles Tillman intercepted a pass intended for Randy Moss. I was at that game. Went back and looked, that was indeed 2003, the year where everything fell apart for the Vikings. If you don't remember, they were uh, 6-0 and to start that season, and then things uh, did not go well. They lost to every single 4-12 and team in the NFL that year. Lost to the Cardinals, of course, on the final play of the season to knock them out of the playoffs. But that Bears game was December 14th, two weeks before that Cardinals game. Had Randy Moss hauled that pass in, I think they still would have been able to salvage a playoff spot. So don't put it all on that Cardinals game. That 13-10 loss at the Bears, December 14th. I was there. It was cold. There was an obnoxious Bears fan just screaming, Peanut! Peanut! Charles Tillman's nickname throughout the entirety of our walk, long walk back to the car. And uh, so there you have it. That was uh, that was 18 years ago, a hall of horrors often for the Vikings traveling to Chicago. We'll see if it's any better on Monday night this week. Let's finish with the cooler. Lakers at Wolves Friday night. Not as many Lakers in the lineup as we might have thought, though. Four of them in COVID protocols with Russell Westbrook joining teammates in that status. Um, you know, we've talked about COVID in sports. It kind of you know, it kind of kind of hit a lull for a while there over the summer and even into the fall. There was some discussion, but it didn't feel like it was flaring up so constantly. It has been dominating sports this last week, and I'm worried about kind of what the next two, three weeks are going to be like, even as even as leagues are, you know, going to enhanced protocols. It feels like we are in the midst of, it kind of feels like we're right back where we were a year ago, even though we have the vaccines now that are helping quite a bit. So, will be interesting to see how the rest of these seasons play out. It, feels like, it seems like the NFL is determined to play through it. wonder if the NBA and NHL are going to take the same approach. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's beginning to feel a lot like last year at this time, and that's not a good thing. That'll do it for today and this week. Back at it on Monday with Patrick Royce. Tuesday's show should be a good one as well, coming off of that Monday night game between the Vikings and the Bears. Have a great weekend. I'm Michael Rand. See you again on Monday.